another episode of Access Ability. It's a show on YouTube where I talk about the video game industry, accessibility and representation. Basically, how can we help more people to play games and more people to see themselves in the games they play? When it comes to accessibility-focused controllers for disabled gamers, a lot of discussion the last couple of years, understandably, has been on Microsoft. Microsoft released the Xbox Adaptive Controller, which is a modular controller base that first and third party peripherals can be plugged into to make a more accessible control layout for games on Xbox consoles and PC. However, the Xbox Adaptive Controller is far from the first example of an accessibility focused controller for disabled gamers, and Today's episode of Accessibility is going to be a bit of a history lesson as we take a look at one of the earliest examples of an accessibility-focused controller for disabled gamers released officially by one of the three hardware manufacturers for their home console. So, today on Accessibility, we're going to take a look at Nintendo's first and, as far as I'm aware, only accessibility-focused controller and we're going to take a little look at the Nintendo that made that controller versus Nintendo of today. The year is 1989, and the Super Nintendo is just around the corner. The NES has been available in the United States for around four years, but will continue to be popular for at least a few years into the next generation. In the spring of 1989, Nintendo released the imaginatively titled Hands Free, a controller for the NES that was designed to be played, as you might imagine, hands-free. The intention was that quadriplegic people would be able to play video games using their mouth as the primary means of input. The controller featured a large body section which sat on the player's chest and was held in place by a strap around the back of the neck. The chest section then featured an adjustable arm with a long stick pointed toward the player's chin, as well as a long flexible tube. The idea behind the hands-free was that players could use their mouth or tongue to move around a stick in order to simulate D-pad inputs, and the A and B buttons were controlled by sucking or blowing on a small tube built into the controller. If you wanted to hit start or select, you would blow or suck on the controller more forcefully. Players could adjust the amount of force needed to register these inputs, but were otherwise limited to the provided default input options. The hands-free sold at the time for around 120 US dollars, which, adjusted for inflation, is the equivalent to about 250 dollars today, and could be bought from Nintendo as part of a bundle with the NES, or separately. The controller had a few limitations. You couldn't, for example, execute simultaneous A and B button inputs, because you can't suck and blow on a tube at once, and you couldn't play light gun games or games that required specific peripherals, but it largely did what it aimed to do. It made games playable by users without the use of their hands. The history of the Nintendo hands-free controller is actually really interesting, and bears a lot of comparisons to Microsoft's approach to developing the Xbox Adaptive Controller. When Microsoft partnered with charities including Special Effect to develop the Adaptive Controller and ensure it met the needs of disabled players, Nintendo of America developed the hands-free controller in conjunction with Seattle Children's Hospital, where the controller was prototyped and developed with the help of several disabled children and their physical therapists. Early coverage of the controller focused on a story of a young girl who loved to play Nintendo games who was involved in a car accident and lost the use of her hands. The story goes that her mother contacted Nintendo asking if they had any products that could help her to keep playing, and at the same time Nintendo had a prototype of the hands-free controller in the works, which they later announced. 
The controller was only available through Nintendo customer service, meaning that they're very hard to find items these days secondhand. Nintendo also reportedly sold the controller at cost, specifically discussing in its marketing that it was a non-profit item. What I find equal parts fascinating and depressing about having researched this story is that Nintendo got so much right with the hands-free controller for the NES. They consulted disabled gamers about their needs, they sold the controller at cost rather than at a profit, and it's so frustrating to see that they didn't follow that up on the Super Nintendo, the N64, the Wii, the GameCube, the Switch, the Wii U, any of their follow-up hardware, and while we can only really guess as to why that is, I think that one thing we can say about Nintendo is that they have tried to innovate in terms of their input systems for many years. They were at the forefront of a lot of changes in how we input and control video games. And I think that that push for innovation might have come at the expense of keeping disabled players in mind. Looking back at the NES hands-free controller, it's important to note that it was developed for the NES by Nintendo of America as a post-release peripheral, and not the company's Japanese division. Nintendo in Japan didn't have anything to do with the creation of the controller as far as I can tell from research, and considering how close it was released to the launch of the Super Nintendo, it's highly likely that it was not a consideration when developing their next console. When we compare the base NES and Super Nintendo controllers, the key difference is clear additional buttons. The Super Nintendo features two additional face buttons, as well as two shoulder buttons. Simply put, it would have been more difficult to map those additional buttons to a sip and puff style controller. The hands-free controller would have needed some fundamental redesigning to work for the Super Nintendo, and it seems that Nintendo simply didn't tackle that additional challenge. Over the years, Nintendo's control schemes have become more complex, as have theirs of their competitors, with the addition of dual analog sticks and triggers. While Microsoft has risen to the challenge of making modern complex controls accessible to disabled players, Nintendo has seemingly disregarded that particular part of its past in favour of prioritising control innovation over control accessibility. Modern Nintendo games in many cases feature motion controls as a mandated part of play, with no alternative control options for disabled players, seemingly without reason. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, for example, allow players in handheld mode to use an analog stick and buttons to throw the Pokeball, but arbitrarily require motion controls when the Nintendo Switch is docked, for example. While it's possible to trick an Xbox Adaptive controller into working on the Switch, as long as Nintendo puts mandatory motion controls into their games, we're unlikely to ever see true accessible controller support officially from Nintendo on the system, as motion controls are difficult to emulate without using motion. Somehow, in the last 30 years, Nintendo has gone from a company on the forefront of thinking about disabled gamers and making controllers to help them play, to a console manufacturer whose games are often limited in who can play them because they require a lack of disability. They are a company that consistently employs control schemes that actively stop disabled players being able to join in on the fun. And that's really disappointing. Nintendo, once upon a time, you really put disabled gamers at the forefront of what you were doing, and I hope that someday, maybe months, maybe years from now, 
You look back on the NES hands-free controller and see that you did something beautiful, and maybe as the years go on, maybe don't get rid of motion controls entirely, but maybe design your game so that people who can't play with motion controls, for example, have alternate control schemes they can use. Maybe officially support something like the Xbox Adaptive Controller. Maybe make it so that there is more than one way to control your games, because you did that once in the past and it really helped some people.